Time now for Rocky Jordan. Things had been dull around the tambourine until I got that invitation to the tent of a desert sheik. It was a great party. The host was fine, the food was fine. And there was a dancing girl. She was fine, too. But I shouldn't have puffed on that Egyptian water pipe. Two whiffs of that, and everything went up in smoke. Again, we bring you a story of adventure with Rocky Jordan, proprietor of the cafe Tambourine, which stands in a narrow street off Cairo's native quarter within sight of the mosque Sultan Hassan. The cafe Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men from the world's waterfronts, alive with the babble of many languages. Now, Rocky Jordan and tonight's story, Death in the Sand. It was all quite a setup. Rocky Jordan, the guest of honor of Sheikh Abbas Ali and his caravan tent on the desert. But I didn't like the way the festivities ended up, with two wild tribesmen accompanied by a blonde named Diana Carrington dragging me into Cairo police headquarters on a charge of murder. I guess it all started early that afternoon. I was sitting at a back table in my cafe when a little fellow in native dress came shuffling my way. Effendi, you are Rocky Jordan. Who'd you expect, the Sphinx? I am Ishmi, Effendi. I am a sand diviner. I'll take it somewhere else, Ishmi. Try some of the tourists up front. They'll bite. Wait, Mr. Jordan, one moment. Your future came to me as I was reading the sand. Tells of strange things for you, Effendi. Yeah? Like what? I will read the sand for you, Mr. Jordan. It reveals all the past, present, and future. First, the pure white cloth on the table. Look, why not just skip the hocus-pocus and get to the point? And now on to the cloth, sand of the Sahara, from my diviner's pouch. You're going to have to clean that up, you know. Now I take the sand so in my fingers. I let it rain down between my fingers so. The mystic sand. All right, just keep it out of my coffee. Yes, ma. I see it again. A letter. Uh, that's standard. This letter is to Mr. Rocky Jordan. It is you. <laughs> you are this man. But now, I see a trip into the desert. Still standard. But now, Effendi, a beautiful woman. A sleek ash blonde like pure crystal. Oh, you're improving. Tell me more. I will try, Effendi. Uh, no, no, she is fading but wait. No. No, this, this cannot be. Come on, Ishmi. Get to the payoff line. No, Mr. Jordan, please. I cannot tell you this. Kata. Keep it in English and get it over with, huh? Very well, Mr. Jordan. I see it in the sand. I cannot mistake it. What? I see death. Uh, that's enough, Ishmi. Who sent you here? I, no one sent me here, Mr. Jordan. I'm only an humble sand diviner. I have the gift. Then take it somewhere else. You'll find plenty of yokels out around the pyramids. Imshi, Ishmi, Imshi. Very well. I will leave it, Andy, as you wish. As you... Little Ishmi took his sand pouch and the hurt look in his face out the front way, and I sat looking at the pile of sand on the white cloth he'd left on my table. Every time somebody comes into the tambourine with that sort of pitch, I begin wondering. And I didn't stop wondering when she came toward my table. 
She was beautiful, ash blonde, like pure crystal. You are Mr. Rocky Jordan, I believe? Why, uh, yes, yes. Won't you sit down? Thank you. Mr. Jordan, I am Diana Carrington. I'm glad to know you, Miss uh, uh, Diana. Oh, thank you for being informal. Rocky, I have a letter for you from Sheikh Abbas. Coming over, he turned and disappeared down a hallway. So I got up and followed. When I reached the hall, Ishmi was gone. There were several doors, and I chose the one marked manager. Seated behind a mahogany desk was the handsome Arab whose picture I'd seen on the menu. The picture didn't do him justice. He was clean-shaven in perfect British dress. As he stood up, he towered over me. May I help you, sir? Why, uh, you the manager? That is correct. I am Master Symbol. Oh, I'm Rocky Jordan, Cafe Tambourine. I am delighted to meet you, Mr. Jordan. Please be seated. No, no thanks. Uh, looking for a little guy named Ishmi. Oh, our sand diviner. You will find him in the Oasis room. <laughs> Not anymore. He's avoiding me like my creditors. I don't like it. That is indeed strange, Mr. Jordan. Ishmi has been in my employ for six years. He is my finest attraction. Well, then maybe you can explain what he was doing at my cafe this afternoon. I am sure I do not know. I didn't mind so much his scattering sand all over my place, but he predicted my future a little too accurately. Oh, that is understandable. Ishmi is the finest sand diviner in all Cairo. He has the gift. Now don't tell me you think he's on the level. Most certainly. He reads the sand for me often. Ishmi has never failed to predict the future. Huh? Well, thanks. Uh, sorry for busting in, Mr. Symbol. No offense, sir. Well, as your people say, may your mother give you many brothers. Oh, oh, so kind of you. But one brother was plenty. Even then, she could not tell us apart. Well, I'd love to hear about it sometime. Now I will find Ishmi for you. No, thanks, friend. I wouldn't want to offend such a remarkable gift. Asa Symbol's eyes narrowed for a second. Then he smiled and bowed graciously as I got out. A cover-up if I ever saw one. By now, a herd of elephants couldn't have kept me away from the sheik's tent. So I was waiting that evening when Diana drove up in her little Austin 7. We crossed the English bridge, honked a couple of dogs out of the way, and roared out past Giza. The road got rougher and rougher, and finally we made it to Sheikh Abbas Ali's encampment. Four or five tents, camels and goats, tethered downwind. Sheikh Abbas Ali's tent opening must have been six feet high, but he had to bend down to come out. Peace be unto you. Oh, we appreciate the invitation, Abbas. Alaikum salam, Sheikh Ali. My house is your house. Come now inside. The food is prepared. <laughs> I've heard your meals even top my blue plate special, Abbas. I trust you will enjoy it. Seat yourselves now. Oh, uh, do you wish forks and spoons? We'll take it your way, Abbas. <laughs> Rocky was a little surprised that you should invite a woman as your guest, Sheikh Ali. You see, Rocky, we at times yield to the customs of your people. You are very gracious. We all said bismillah, then the sheik gave us kush-kush and watched us burn our fingers eating it. There were about five courses, all hot. We finished eating, and then the sheik politely suggested that Diana go to the tent of his wives. She went, and Abbas watched my reaction. There is a reason not for the years of Miss Carrington. Oh, so that's it. Rocky, you are a non-believer, but you are my friend. That's right. I like you, Rocky, and I can speak to you. Sure, sure, shoot. I live on the desert. I do not come often to Cairo, but now that I have come to Cairo, I can speak to you. Sure, Abbas. Friendship is a rare thing. There are passages on the matter in the Koran. Uh, sure, now, what does she want to talk to me about? Rocky, you have no wife. 
Hey, wait a second. I do not suggest that you have two or three wives such as I. But one moment, Rocky. Now you will see something, Rocky. Hey. She is beautiful, no? She is. She dances with the grace of a palm frond. Rocky, she is my gift to you. She will be your wife. Oh, now, wait up. There's nothing doing. You're very thoughtful, but I'm just not interested. Oh, let us not argue. We are good friends. We will smoke the water pipe and then discuss it further. She was light brown, the color of the café con leche the Spaniards drink in Morocco. She had on the veil over her face, of course, and a little bit more. We smoked the water pipe as she danced. We sucked the smoke up through the long tube from the water in the glass bowl of the water pipe. The sucking made the water waver. I could see the girl reflected in the water in the glass bowl of the water pipe. She seemed to waver like a reflection when a stone is dropped into a pool. She tilted and wavered, expanded, contracted. I looked up. I wasn't looking into the bowl, but she was still wavering, like water. The music was a long way off. Water seemed to be getting in between us and filling the tent, the whole tent. Then I knew why. The water pipe. I'd been drugged. And as I drifted off into dreamland, I remembered what Ishmael had read in the sand. Death. And I wondered if I was the victim. Rocky Jordan returns in just a moment. But first, here's a word about one of the most popular shows in radio. The program, CBS Radio Theater. And this week, you'll enjoy The Mating of Millie, a hilarious Cinderella story starring Glenn Ford and Evelyn Keyes. So start your week with a pleasant hour of fine comedy. CBS Radio Theater, Monday night at 6. Now back to tonight's story with Rocky Jordan, Death in the Sand. As I said, Ishmi, the sand of honest predictions about my future were coming true a little too fast, including a beautiful blonde, a letter, and a trip to the desert. I checked on Ishmi with his employer, Asa Symbol, at the Heliopolis Hotel, but didn't get any satisfaction. That evening, the blonde named Diana Carrington and I went to the desert tent of Sheikh Abbas Ali. A still from Laird Douglas Douglas. But you couldn't. Of course not. What? At least not from him. Oh, why not? John. Will you please stop joking? Who's joking? This is serious business, very. <sighs> Look, Harry. Yes? There is one thing I'd like to talk over before we go in to see him, them, somebody. Yes? Well, apparently the life and or welfare of this Laird Douglas Douglas is in danger. Oh, no doubt about it, no doubt about it. I thought I'd made that very clear to you. Yeah, well, you said you've written only a $5,000 policy on him. That's right, $5,000. Thereof, and I am sure you will agree that that... What's the matter, John? Seven fifty dollars a week, plus expenses, when there's only a $5,000 policy involved? That's right. But if this four-year-old Laird Douglas Douglas of... of, of, of Had the scope. Yeah. If he's only worth a $5,000 policy... And what was that crack about short life expectancy? John, I told you he is already four years old. He... Oh, look, start all over again, will you, Harry? Yes. 
No, on second thought, perhaps you were right. Perhaps you'd better get the details directly from Mrs. Peter Malcolm, Malcolm Kelly, Kelly Van Pyten, I know. Now, look, Harry, I, I think I'd better. I'd better get them from somebody. You're Incidentally, not... John, you understand, of course, that your services will be required only during the affair at Bala Kinwood. And not one minute there. No, thereafter. I don't understand. What's Bala Kinwood? Out around Westchester, outside the city, one of the suburbs. Very nice suburb, too. That is where Laird Douglas Douglas... Of Heatherscout. Yes, John, that is where he will appear. And you or Mrs. Kelly Van Pyten, or both, if you think his life will be in danger. Exactly. Oh, John, I knew you were just joking me all the time. I wish I knew. Uh, <clears throat> here we are, and everything will be clear to yeah. Oh, thank heavens, dear Mr. Branson. I was afraid something had happened to you. You were gone so long, you really had me quite worried. Oh, I'm so sorry, but I had hoped to tell Mr. Dollar something of this affair, and I'm afraid we loitered on the way up. Uh, Mrs. Kelly Van Pyten, this is Mr. John Dollar. Oh, you wonderful, wonderful man. I'm so glad that you've agreed to take on this assignment. You see, Laird Douglas Douglas means everything to me. And I have the utmost confidence in you. I'm sure Laird Douglas will, too. Well, uh, thank you very much. Uh, but where is he? Uh, why, yes, Mrs. Van Pyten, what's happened to him? Oh, don't worry, don't worry, my dear. He's all right. But after all... He is so temperamental. I fear he got a bit impatient waiting for you, and I know you'll forgive him. You will, won't you? Yes, yes, of course, but where is he? He's asleep, Mr. Branson, in your inner office. He sat down in your chair and fell fast asleep. Oh, if I could only relax that way. But you must meet him, Mr. Dollar. Yes, I'd certainly like to. Of course you would, and I know he'll want to meet you. Gently now. Good, he's awake. Oh, no. That's Laird... Laird Douglas, Douglas of Heatherscote. This is Mr. Johnny Dollar. Hey, oh, Douglas, Douglas, no. Let go of Mr. Dollar's leg. Douglas, dear. Douglas. Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's, uh, intriguing? Well, tomorrow's episode of this week's story. Tomorrow? Well, I've handled some pretty doggy cases in my time, but never as a pooch's bodyguard. But suddenly this one begins to smell much too strongly of murder. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Hello there, this is Diamond. You know, I like to say that. Hello there, this is Sheikh Abbas Ali. How's that possible? Apparently, the Sheikh did not always stick to his caravan. And also, you did not tell me that Diana was once a dancer in Casablanca. I didn't know, Sam, believe me. Listen, did you check... Sheik Ali's body. It is gone. There is no trace of it or his caravan. And I do not fancy digging up the entire Sahara Desert to find him. But it doesn't... Wait a minute. Hold everything, Sam. Supposing that wasn't Sheik Abbas at all. Just a dummy. 
George and I have talked with both tribesmen who brought you in. They say it was the shame. Well, don't believe them. And at the moment, I am not inclined to believe anyone. You going someplace, Sam? Yes, it is very late. I would advise you to get some sleep, Jordan. Why? For you, tomorrow may be a very busy day. I sat there trying to figure my next move. I picked up the big menu Ishmi had left in his haste, the one with a handsome picture of Asa Symbol on the front cover. Then I took a pencil and tried to make like a London detective, writing down all the elements of the mystery. Sheik Abbas Ali invites me to his tent. I'm a convenient witness to his death, also a suspect. His body disappears. The crystal blonde who took me there turns out to be his wife, which means that he'd been leading a double life. Scramble that all up with an Egyptian sand diviner and you end up either cutting out paper dolls or doodling. So I doodled. Yeah, that made even less sense. Then all at once it made plenty of sense. I had the answer right in front of me. I grabbed the menu, did a fair imitation of a ten-second man out the front door, caught a taxi, and in 14 minutes flat I arrived at the house of Diana Carrington, the widow of Sheikh Abbas Ali. Rocky Jordan continues after this brief announcement. Following the Monday Night Radio Theater program, you'll want to stay tuned to CBS for My Friend Irma, one of radio's foremost laugh shows. So after Radio Theater, stay on for My Friend Irma at 7, Monday night. Now to conclude tonight's story with Rocky Jordan, Death in the Sand. Diana had given Sam Sabaya her address at headquarters, and I remembered it. 305 Danya, in the foreign colony. Well, quite a layout for the wife of devout wanderer of the desert. By rights, I should have gone right to Captain Sabaya, the Cairo police, but this was too good. I wanted to see Diana. Why, Rocky. Hello, Mrs. Abbasali. All right, you know. You killed my husband. Let's talk about it. No, Rocky, not here. Sure. Well, maybe you'd like to call your two sand fleas in again. They're gone. What are you doing here? Looking for your husband. He's dead and buried, thanks to you. It's a fine act, Diana. I'll go into your dance for me, minus the veil and the grease paint. Why, I... That was a great show, Diana. Very well, I admit it. Abbas Ali had a sense of the dramatic, I suppose. It was I who danced in native costume in his tent. He told me to. Keep going. That's all. I returned to the tent and he was dead. You had killed him. Now listen to my story, Diana. Stop me if I'm wrong. Better get out of here, Rocky. Now I show you this menu with a picture of Asa's symbol. Does it look familiar? Why, I... What, I'm uh, quite a doodler, Diana. I drew a beard on him. All right, have a look. It's not George Bernard Shaw. What's all this nonsense? With a beard, Asa's symbol is a perfect double for Sheikh Abbas Ali. All right, what about it? Asa's symbol told me he had a twin brother. Was it Sheikh Abbas Ali? Why, what difference does it make? I thought so. While Asa's symbol became wealthy here in Cairo, Abbas Ali lived out in the desert with his caravan. He chose that life. But Abbas Ali started slipping when he met you. After he married you, you had to find a way to support you. He loved me. Sure. So you both dreamed up the whole idea. I was to witness the death of Abbas Ali, then he'd disappear. Only it wasn't Abbas Ali. But you... Some five pound of pistachios just yesterday. Oh. 
Oh, well, here's my card. I'll see you at my salon, Mr. Diamond, in about an hour. Oh, oh, and something else. I don't want my partner or the help to know that you're a private detective. What am I supposed to do, buy a hat? Well, I'll, I'll tell them that you're a designer from Hollywood. That way, whatever you say will be all right. See you in an hour. of Hollywood is coming here to look at our new line. That's correct, Lillian. Never heard of him. Well, that's not so surprising, Gerald. There are a lot of people I'm sure you've never heard of, especially the more famous ones. I don't like that. Oh, don't you? Well, I'm overjoyed that you're sure of one thing, at least. Now, don't you two start fighting again. I've never heard of this Richard of Hollywood, either. Well, he's a, he's a new man, works for the studios. He's made quite a sensation the last year or so. Well, I'm sick and tired of temperamental artists. I'm going back to my office. Well, why don't you do that, Gerald? Keep the books in the black, dear Potter, while I work to pay for your salary. You know, Rennie, someday I'm going to strangle you with one of your own hats. Why don't you buy yourself a barbell instead? Then the next time you get into a bathing suit, there'll be no doubt that you have muscles. Office boy. How can you two continue like this? It's frightful. Lillian, my love, I would rather join forces with a cobra than to keep on with Gerald. But he has an iron-bound contract that assures him of at least 50000 a year. I'm helpless. Yes, come in. Oh, Mr. <clears throat> I mean, uh, Richard, come in, come in. Uh, thanks, thanks. You better go out and pour some water on your partner. I just ran into him. Gerald, what do you mean? Well, I was looking for you, and he came up and introduced himself. You told him your name? Told him I was a hat designer from Hollywood, so he pointed out your office and said something about my lily white hands. And what happened? I didn't like the remark, so I shoved one of them down his throat. <laughs> oh, wonderful. This I'll have to see. I put a feather in his mouth. He can't miss him. Uh, uh René, uh, don't you think... Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> Stupid of me. Lillian, this is uh, Richard of Hollywood. What? Oh, 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 yeah. Is something wrong? Oh, no, no, no. How do you do? Uh, this is Lillian Richmond, my junior designer and chief model. Now you two think of something clever to talk about. I want to see Gerald, bloody nose, feather and all. Cigarette? You look nervous. Oh, thanks. So Gerald was the victim of 